Hello, good morning, and welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. I think it's morning. For the last seven days, we've been walking around in complete daylight. <laughs> My body right now thinks it's midnight. I don't know. It was funny because I have never been thankful for the darkness before. <laughs> I went to bed last night. I was like, oh, the light's not on my face. (laughs) It was such a great trip. I'm looking forward to sharing with you as we go through our time together this morning. We're continuing our series uh, through the book of Acts. The series is entitled Unfinished. It's entitled Unfinished because the work that God has for us is not yet finished. I think there's a tendency in our lives to think, you know, we make these accomplishments, you know, we get married and we think, I'm married, I'm finished. I'm thinking, oh, no, you are. No, how many of you are married? How many of you know that the work is not yet finished? (laughs) You know, I think there's just different things. You know, uh, there's something about just thinking that we're done. You know, we like things neat, clean, complete. You know, whether it's a marriage vow or even a faith commitment. You know, I think about how many times we've entered into conversations with people and they they cross that line of faith, they get baptized, and they think, oh, I'm done, I'm finished. I'm thinking, oh, no, that is just now getting started, my friend. You know, God is doing a work in and through us. We're a work in progress. And so the work that he has for us as the body of Christ is not finished until Christ returns. The Bible describes the assembly, the ecclesia. It's the collection, the gathering of believers together that make up the church. And so I think a lot of times in our culture, we think the church is the building. We walk in, we went to church this morning, and then we're going to leave church, right? But we are collectively the assembly where we are the body of Christ. And God is working in and through you individually. He's working in and through us together as the body of Christ, the church. And so the work that he has for us is unfinished until that day that Christ returns. And it says in Scripture that Christ is going to return. And so that's what we're waiting for. And as you read through the book of Acts, it's just a beautiful story of how God unfolds his plan for what we're supposed to be doing as the church. And the work he has for us is not yet finished. You know, we showed up to uh, Alaska. We left uh, Saturday. We showed up our Sunday. We all set in. Our first project Monday morning was to finish up a project that was left unfinished by the team ahead of us. And so we got up on the roof, and we were looking at the whole roof was done, and there was a strip down the middle that they had to stop working on because it started to rain. And we're all standing there looking at it going, oh, man, that had to hurt. Don't you know they've worked, on this, they've worked on this roof for an entire week, and they didn't put that last little strip on because of the rain. Their work was unfinished. And so it was just like, oh, man, they didn't get to finish. There's something about being unfinished that's disturbing. You know, we want to finish our stuff. We were at a project towards the end of our week, and it started to rain on us. And we were like, we can't leave until we finish the job. And so being unfinished is uncomfortable. But we are not yet done. We are a work in progress. And that's what this series is about. It's about how can we live out God's will for our life? How can we know God's purpose? What are we supposed to be doing in light of who we are together as the body of Christ, in light of the fact that one day Christ is going to return? And today we're looking at how do we live a life with purpose? How do you live a life of purpose? We're going to be looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, Um, We're going to be looking at the end of the chapter, the very end of the book in Acts chapter 28. We're going to be looking at some principles that we can glean from Paul as we come to the close of the book and look at some principles that we can apply to our life. Paul was a uh, well-educated Jew named Saul before he became a Christian. 
Um, Prior to his faith story, he did his best to destroy the early church, to persecute Christians. He was present at Stephen's stoning when he was killed. Paul was a persecutor of the church. And after he became a Christ follower, he became the persecuted. And so Paul would experience those same things that he was bringing on to those earlier believers. Paul would become one of the greatest missionaries throughout Christianity as he moved through Asia Minor and Europe, and his story and the book are absolutely fascinating. If you have not had an opportunity to read through the book of Acts, I would encourage you to do it. It describes what we're supposed to be doing when we come together on Sunday morning. It's supposed to, it describes what we're supposed to be doing when we leave the doors. It describes what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. If you haven't read the book of Acts, I would encourage you to do that. We're going to continue in the next couple of weeks going through different passages in Acts as we, look at, uh, we go through this series. But we're going to look at Paul's example uh, this morning as we look at how to find purpose. Paul was one of the greatest missionaries. I love Paul. Missions is one of my primary gifts as, as well, and so I think I'm just, I feel kindred to Paul. Uh, not everybody uh, would be likened to be excited about what he's doing, but Paul went on three missionary journeys. As you read through the book of Acts, and this next map will show you kind of a picture of what those looked like. Paul had uh, his first missionary journey in about 80s, 46, his second in 49, his third in 53, and his last journey, although it wasn't a missionary journey, it would be a trip to Rome in 59. His first missionary journey is out of the city of uh, Antioch. It's recorded in Acts chapters 13 and 14. And as you read through those chapters, we see Paul starts out on his first journey, and, and we see his ministry starting to struggle to be effective. He's following God's calling to ministry. We see many come to faith in Christ, but most would reject the message that he's bringing to them. He's telling all these people of the Jewish faith that the Messiah that you have been waiting for has come. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and, and the majority of them just don't believe him. And he's persecuted for that message of hope that he's bringing through Christ. In fact, if you read through Paul's missionary journey, and that first one is where you find the story of Paul getting uh, stoned. <laughs> they thought he was dead. They, they dragged him out of the city. He went back into it later. And so Paul faced early on some significant persecution. He returns to Antioch to meet with the leaders uh, non-Jewish leaders, about what it means to be you know, a Christ follower. He starts to talk about who we are. So he meets with these Jews, and he's just talking about this message is not just for us, but it's for the non-Jews as well. And so we're grafted in. And so early on, you see a clear distinction between who's Jew and who is not and who is a Christ follower. And so there's a split between Christianity and what you find in the Jewish faith. You see that today as well. And so you can see there's people of the Jewish faith that are still waiting for a Messiah, and we have Christians that are, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and you see a clear distinction. And you saw that back in the New Testament early on as well. So Paul returns to Antioch to meet with leaders about non-Jewish Christians, and is it okay for us to be a part of the body of Christ as well? And he has this meeting with them and prepares for his second missionary journey. That's recorded in Acts chapter 15 through 18. And he revisits all the churches that he visited the first time from his first trip, and he heads into Asia Minor, into Greece, into Europe. And at Philippi, um, he and the missionary team uh, get beaten, and they get imprisoned. So Paul just continues to drive out, telling people about Christ. And every time he gets out there, he finds, he finds, he finds resistance. He's constantly being faced with um, just different types of trials. We find him beaten, he's imprisoned. And while he's in prison, he actually starts to rejoice because he's suffering in Christ. It's at that time we see the story where they're in jail together and while they're singing, the, the jail gates break open, their chains fall off. And the jailer witnesses all this. 
when it comes to faith in Christ, he and his whole family, they put their faith in Christ, but it's at that time that the government just begs Paul and Silas at the time to please just, just get out of here. And so he would return, prepare for his uh, third missionary journey. It was during Paul's second trip that he, he, uh, he, he met, and what we, we have a disciple that most of you are familiar with. It's Timothy. And so as you read through his second journey, um, you see several people coming to faith that become significant with regard to the Christian movement. So in his third missionary journey that's recorded in Acts chapter 18 through 20, it's on this journey that we find powerful teaching by Paul. We see significant miracles. In fact, uh, when Paul gets to Troas, Paul's preaching and he starts, he starts teaching. He gives this long sermon. It's there we see one of the young men sitting in a window listening to Paul. Paul's teaching for so long that he actually falls asleep. He falls out of the window, hits the ground, boom. Everybody thinks he's dead, but Paul revives him. This is why we give you comfortable chairs. We don't want anybody falling out of the window, getting killed. I don't know who's going to be able to bring you back to life. Jesus could. <laughs> but as you read through Paul's third missionary journey, it's just a great story about the work that God's doing. And so all throughout this time, we see three major journeys of Paul just moving. You see the early church just going out into the world. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive that Spirit, you're going to get power. Power's going to come on you, and you'll be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the very ends of the earth. That's what Paul's doing here. Holy Spirit's come on Paul. He's, 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 he's told people in this Jerusalem about Christ. He's gone into Judea. He's going to Samaria. He's going out to the very ends of the earth. And so we start to see the spread of Christianity in the book of Acts. And that's what we're supposed to be doing today as well. You know, one of the passages that undergoods our disciple-making strategy here at Springbrook is when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Jesus, Mary, the very ends of the earth. So this is our Jerusalem. It's the, it's the people that God brings to us. And, and then we have our region, and we have our, we have our communities, and we, have, and we have an opportunity to go to Alaska to be a part of what God's doing at the very ends of the earth. It's a part of a strategy. It's not just, a, hey, let's take a trip. You know, the things that we do at Springbrook are not just things that sound like fun. They're intentional, biblical principles for what we're supposed to be doing as a church. The Bible does not record how Paul died, an early Christian historian. Eusebius claimed that he was beheaded uh, sometime in uh, 67 AD. Uh, Paul's missionary journeys would come to an end. Uh, It would end in Acts where he's traveling to Rome this next slide would give just kind of an idea of how his trips might have looked. So we had, uh, we had his first, second, and third missionary journey. We had his trip to Rome. It's supposed to be a space in that miles thing there. But his first missionary journey went about 1,500 miles. They're estimating. These are all estimates. It took him about 53 days to do that. His second missionary trip was, you know, 3,000 miles, 100 days, 3,300. That's a lot of traveling. Yeah, he wasn't able to just get in the van and take a trip or hop on the plane. Those were all miles. That's a significant part of Paul's life is wrapped up in his missionary journeys. It's funny because I was looking at our trip. Look at this next slide. This is our trip. Six hours, 3,500 miles. <laughs> Isn't it amazing to think? Can you think of what Paul would have done with an airplane? <laughs> I mean, he could have got the whole world. <laughs> but the work's unfinished. That's our job. You know, it's interesting to think. It wasn't six hours, by the way. We had a layover. It felt like 14 hours. It was It was long. <laughs> But that's what we're supposed to be doing now. We've got our Jerusalem right in our immediate area. We've got our Judea, our Samaria to the very ends of the earth. And so our trip to Alaska was very much a part of what God has called us to be as the body of Christ. And we do this with our youth 
We do this with our youth ministry. We do this with our church. And so missions is an important part of who we are as a church. In fact, it's a significant portion of our budget. You know, we believe that the good news about Christ belongs here, belongs in our community, belongs to the very ends of the earth. And so that's what missions is all about. Acts is a book about missions. And Paul's life gives us some great examples for what it means to be missionaries. Every one of us has the potential to be prepared to share the hope that we have in Christ with others. That's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. And our church is designed and, and has the purpose for equipping you for the ministry that God's called you to. That's why we exist. You know, we had some amazing experiences while we were in Alaska. It's my prayer that God would change the people there, that when we come back, as we start to share stories about what God's doing, that it would just be contagious for you as well. So if you know anybody that went on that trip, I would encourage you sometime over the next week just to give them a call and say, hey, come, let's get together and talk about what you learned on your trip. Anybody that went on that trip would love to talk to you about it. Well, most people would. I think everybody would. It was just, it was so exciting. And so as they come back and they start to share their stories with others, I'm just praying for a movement that God would just move through our church and give us a heart for our community. You know, when we were up at uh, Fairbanks, Pastor Matt took uh, the team of the students. They went to a ministry called The Vine, which has a primary purpose of equipping and edifying and encouraging ministry team leaders there. You know, because I think sometimes when you think about missions, we go in and we say, okay, here, I'm here to help you. Well, we're going to help you. We're going to give you some food. We're going to fix your house. Then we're going to leave. That's not effective missions work. And so we have a partnership with Next Steps Ministries. Next Steps Ministries has a, a relationship with ministry on the ground. So we went to help Next Steps. And one of the ministries they work with is the Vine. And so they had an opportunity to work on this campus that equips and trains and encourages Christian leaders. And so they were there for the week. Um, then they had a couple other projects um, that Matt can tell you about. Adults and I worked at a ministry called The Door, which is uh, youth advocates in the Fairbanks area. Uh, They have a ministry specifically that works with homeless youth, and it's not just kids that don't have a home. A lot of times uh, kids will have a drug or an alcohol problem. They leave the house, or there's kids that have had, you know, family members they've had a dispute with, and so, you know, they'll leave the house, or in some cases maybe a parent's died and they do live on the street. There's a, a serious homeless issue there. But uh, the door ministry works specifically with young kids. I think it was in the age of 16 to, to 20. So it's a, young, it's a young adult ministry. And so while we were there for the week, we didn't have an opportunity to interact with some of the students. There's a lot of, they have to protect those kids. A lot of them are underage, and so they need background checks. But we had a great opportunity to connect with some of the leaders there. We had an opportunity to, to, uh, to purchase a gaming system for the door. It was interesting because... A gaming system in our culture is just, you know, in this area is just something that we use to occupy the time. Your kids are in their bedroom. They're probably playing on a game or something. I was talking to the leader at the door. And he said, you know, that gaming system is not just a game. He said, I've got kids that come into the, that come to the door. They, they have difficulty opening up and talking. And he said, if I can get a game controller in their hand, if I can invite them to play Mario Kart with me, or if I can start to play a game with them, what happens is we build this relationship over time, and I'm able to build a relationship and, and kind of make inroads into what's going on in their life. It turns into be this huge ministry built around a gaming system. It's not about playing games and having some fun entertainment. It's a tool that they're strategically using to connect with kids, to get them to open up and to share relationships. It was fascinating to listen to him talk about how God used something as simple as a gaming system. We had to, we built a, we had to reconstruct a front porch and 
we were talking about, you know, it was a porch that was wood, just needed to be painted. But he came out towards the end of our trip and just said, you know, he said, that porch, he said, we would not believe how many kids come up there, how many kids have given their lives to Christ there. He said, that porch is a, is a strategic for us to, to reaching our community <laughs> and to reaching these kids. He said, we have a table that we'd like to set up over here. That when you guys fixed that deck, you guys just didn't fix the deck. You guys made a strategic spot for us to do ministry in our community. You know, we live in a community when it's winter, what happens? You pull into the garage and what happens next? The garage goes down. And when we do a barbecue, we do barbecues out in the backyard. You think about summer. I'm starting to see some of my neighbors for the first time. And I'll get to see them for about another month or two until winter comes and poof, everybody disappears again. You know, ministry is a front door activity. And to be, you know, setting your front door up so that people feel warm and welcome and can do ministry there was a strategic part of the door's ministry. And so it was fun to be able to get to talk to him about that. We had an opportunity as a team to talk with some some of the neighbors to the businesses. And, and uh, you know, it was funny because we had gone there to talk to kids. We weren't getting to talk to kids. We were kind of working on the porch. Yeah. But it was neat because we got to build some relationships with some people next door. And one of the leaders came out and uh, we were going to have him give a kind of an update on the ministry. And he said, what's going on over there? I said, well, there's some people over there, you know, talking to, you know, some of your neighbors about Christ and inviting them to church. And you know, he stood back. He goes, you know, we need to do more of that. He said, we can get focused on ministry and we can forget about doing ministry to the people around us. He said, uh, that was a good reminder for us. And I said, thanks. I said, if you ever want to do a missions trip to Chicago, let me know. (laughs) A missions trip breaks you out of your complacency. It strips away all the distractions. And it focuses you on what God has for you and for your team and for your church. And it was such an exciting trip. We had some of the most awesome stories, our devotion times. We did devotions in the morning. We did devotions in the afternoon. We came together and we had a meal together in the evening. We did devotions in the evening and it was just so, such a rich, rewarding trip. I tell you, it is so hard to explain to somebody uh, what a trip like that does to you. It's really hard to put those kind of things um, into words. It really is difficult. And I just want to encourage you. I so much appreciate your praying for us and commissioning us as we went to Alaska. That was an important part of your sending us to be a part of what God wanted to do there. And I'm praying for what God would have us do as we come back. We had a commissioning service there after we got done, commissioned us to come back. It was such a powerful time. And I want to encourage you, if you know anybody that went on the missions trip, please just continue to pray for them. I encourage you to write notes of encouragement, emails. One of the most difficult things about coming back from a missions trip is having to engage with what's happening here. You know, for a full week, there's been no noise, there's been no distractions, there's been no TV, there's been no Facebook. Somebody had made a comment, I thought you were going to post stuff on Facebook. I said, well, we did once, you know, he said, only two pictures. So, well, it's not Instagram, man. <laughs> we got no cell signal up here. We ran out of data. It was a complete disconnect from typically what you experience throughout your week. And then to have to come back into this and to figure out how to, how to assimilate back in without losing everything that you have learned is difficult. And so coming off a trip can be as difficult, if not more difficult, than when you leave. And so I would encourage you to continue to pray for our team. And we can't put uh, into words everything that uh, God did there. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to share some stories with you. But we have a video that Pastor Matt put together we want to share with you that kind of highlights some of, the, uh, some of the great things that God did. Let's watch that video together. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting because I was, um, as we were talking, preparing for the trip as a group, 
um, just the obstacles that people had, you know, preparing for that, the, the fears that we had, the, um, you know, the concerns. Um, going on a trip when you've never been on a trip before, even going on a trip and having been on many trips and hoping everybody comes back. <laughs> you know, there's always something that is to be feared going into um, a work that God's calling you to do. I was thinking about Abraham when, when God calls him. He says, look, go to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a, a land that is, uh, I'll make you a promised people. And I was thinking about, you know, God called Abraham and told him to go someplace, didn't tell him where he was going first, and Abraham stepped out in obedience to go to where God had called him, and then God later would show him. But when you step out into the unknown, it is a scary thing. But I tell you, I have never stepped out into the unknown that I didn't come back going, wow, I'm really glad I did that. You know, I think there's a lot of times in people's spiritual walks and their spiritual dreams, there's a fear of, hey, what's going to happen in my life if I commit my life to Christ? Or what happens if I get baptized? Or what happens if I join a church? What happens if I get connected to a small group? There's a lot of fear that holds people back. And I just want to encourage you this morning not to let fear hold you back. You know, we serve a God that is great, that loves us, that wants a relationship with us. And, and regardless of where you are this morning, you know, it's my prayer that God would continue to move you forward. It, the Christian journey does not stop. It's not a stagnant kind of a faith. We're unfinished work, and God wants to do uh, continued work in us. So this morning, as we talk about how to live with purpose, we're going to look from Paul's life at three things, three principles that we can apply to our life that will really give us you know, a, a life of how to live with purpose. You know, Paul finds himself at the end of chapter 28. He's in Rome, and um, he's come together, and he, he wants to call together the leaders of the Jews. And he's under Roman guard, um, so it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of under arrest, but it's, it's not. It would be kind of like, uh, you know, he's got his own private, you know, cell thing going on in there. But, you know, he's under guard with the Romans, and and so he's not just free to come and go as he wants. And so he wants to call the Jewish leaders together to have a conversation with him. And in verse 17, it says he calls them together. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me, and they wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, well, we haven't received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come from there has reported or said anything about you. We want to hear what your views are, for we know that the people everywhere are talking about this sect. They're talking about Christianity. Everyone's talking about Jesus Christ, and the Jewish leaders want to know more. So they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. In verse 23, it says, And they came, even in larger numbers, to the place where Paul was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves, and they began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but you will never be understanding. You will be ever seeing, but you will never be perceiving. This people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have their eyes closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. 
Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all those who came to see him boldly. He, uh, without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus Christ the Lord. You know, as we come to the very close of the book of Acts, we find Paul, after having completed all these missionary journeys, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been jailed, he's done miracles. We see all these missionary journeys. He's covered thousands of miles, and here we see him at the end of his ministry, at the end of the book of Acts, with these prophetic words that he would have for us today, where we can find purpose for how we can not only finish well, but how we can live out the life God has called us to as well. There's three principles the first principle is that we need to be faithful with our spiritual gifts. There should just be a number one there somewhere. We need to be faithful with our spiritual gifts. You know, Paul had a teaching gift. He was a missionary, and he was faithful to the very end. In verse 23, it said, uh, it said that they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day. They came in larger numbers where he was staying. From morning till evening, he continued to explain and declare to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. All day long, after having all these missionary journeys, all these years, he's still standing fast and holding firm to the call that God has placed on his life. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we do get discouraged and we just want to give up. You know, I'm tired of this. I have been telling you a hundred times, so I have to keep telling you this. We get discouraged. We get tired of continuing to repeat ourselves. And we get discouraged. And we want to give up. Paul didn't do that. He remained faithful, continuing, continuing to talk day in, day out for hours with anybody that was willing to listen to him. He remained faithful to the gifts that God had given him. You know, every one of us has a spiritual gift. The Bible says that if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit has come in you, and you have a spiritual gift. It's like our spiritual job description. You know, God has predestined you and given you a gift beforehand. He predestined you and gave you a gift that's irrevocable. We have our spiritual gifts class coming up in August. I encourage you, if you don't know your spiritual gifts or you want to know more about spiritual gifts, sign up for that class. It will give you a whole new perspective on how God has designed and wired you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that you've been saved by grace through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. For God has predestined for you the work that he has for you in advance. God has a job for you to do, and it's reflected in your spiritual gift. Paul had the gift of missionary and teaching, and he was faithful with that to the very end. And every one of us has a spiritual gift as well. And if we're going to live with purpose, according to what God would have for us, we have to understand what gifts he has given us. We need to be faithful with our spiritual gifts if we want to live with purpose. The second principle that we see from Paul as he ends up his life here is that we need to be available for others. We need to be available for others. In chapter 28, verse 30, it says for two whole years, he lived there for two whole years at his own expense, and he did what? He welcomed all who came to him. You know, availability is really important if we're going to fulfill the purpose that God has for us in relation to other people. You know, when we were on our trip uh, last week, it's funny because we showed up, in our, in our uh, rural community task list. Okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like, well, we're doing it. So we're just going to stand here for a little while. <laughs> we're going to be available. 
just sitting idle, quieting your own heart, quieting yourself, just finding a place where you can just be comfortable in your own skin with who you are and not having to fill your mind up with TV and distractions and cell phones. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I, you could sit in a restaurant. If you're going out to lunch today, I want to encourage you, just look around at the restaurant and see how many people have their cell phones in their hands. We can't even sit and have lunch and enjoy quiet time without putting a cell phone in our hands. We're constantly filling our minds with some activity. If we want to fill God's purpose for us, we have to be available for people around us, for our spouses, for our children, for our parents, for our friends, for the people that we go to school with. We have to be available for others. You see, God has called us not just for ourselves, but so that we can be witnesses to those around us. And we have to put ourselves in a position to be available to share the hope that we have within ourselves with others when they ask. Availability is something that you have to really work at doing intentionally. It does not happen by accident. I've got a calendar, and um, when somebody needs to meet with me, I've got a little link. People can put time on my calendar for me, which was kind of scary when I first started doing it. You know, say, hey, can you got some meeting? Well, I don't know. This day doesn't work for me. How about you? Well, this doesn't work for me. I mean, I'm starting to catch my breath because I, I do not have an, you know, I, I'm, I'm organized because I have to be, but um, organization is on the bottom of my gift mix. <laughs> and so I was like, I can't pick a date. Would you just pick one yourself? <laughs> Here's a link. Put it on my calendar. <laughs> but it's interesting when you make yourself available for that way, all of a sudden stuff starts popping up on my calendar. And so I have to kind of be careful with how I use that. But the bottom line of that is, is it's important that we make ourselves available for other people. It does not happen by accident. You know, I've got on my calendar, I've got lunch blocked out. And it just, it blocks out my calendar. If anybody sees it, it's like, well, what's this recoup? It's like, man, that is my lunch hour. That's just where I'm going to recoup some mental stability, some strength, and quiet myself. I have to block stuff on my calendar. If it's important, it's on your calendar. If you want to know what's important in your finances, you can look at your checkbook. If you want to know what's important in your life with your time, you can look at your calendar. We fill our calendars up. And if we're going to fulfill God's purpose for who he has called us to be as Christ followers, we have to make ourselves available for the people around us. It's an important part of how we fulfill God's plan for us. You are not your own. You've been bought at a price. And we have a responsibility for sharing that hope that we have with others. We need to be available for others. We need to be faithful with our spiritual gifts. We need to be available for others. And then third, we need to keep our focus on Jesus. We need to keep our focus on Jesus. You know, it's so easy to get distracted even in ministry. Um, It can be a distraction. In verse 31, it says that Paul boldly, boldly and without hindrance preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. His focus was on who Christ is. And you would think in the context of ministry, as a pastor, that that would be easy to do, to keep your focus on Christ. You know, I came out of it, I was an executive with a healthcare company, Baxter, and man, Christ wasn't even on my radar. And so at some point I transitioned into ministry. I thought, well, this is going to be great. I won't be distracted. I'm always going to be focused on God. But you would not believe how much time it takes to thinking about who's going to mow the grass. How did all those mosquitoes get in that lobby? I don't know if you, we went to leave. We had a mosquito problem last week. That water came up, the water rose, the mosquitoes were infestation here. 
know, God has entrusted us with a ministry center, and we're, we're salt and light. We have a place for people to come in and, and connect. We can worship here. We do ministry here. There's something happening every day in here. You know, this is a great facility. God has entrusted to our care, but it, it takes work maintaining it. And so even if it's not that, then I've got four kids. I love spending time with my kids, and so I've got my kids. I've got my family. I've got things at home. I haven't even touched my grass yet. I mean, we can fill things up so quickly. Even in the context of ministry, we can get distracted. I saw I have one of my neighbors out. See if he's here. Matt? No. Nope. <laughs> Matt was out in his yard the other day. He came in. I was walking into the house. He goes, how was your trip? And I said, it was great. I'll see you later. And I stopped for a second. I was like, wow, that was pretty bad. So I went back over. <laughs> the trip was great. We got to talk about Jesus. I got so distracted with where I was going that I forgot, wow, God just dropped an opportunity right in my lap. And I would have missed it if I, had, if I hadn't stopped to remind myself, hey, look, everything, everything, everything I do needs to be done unto the Lord and focused on who Christ is and what he has for me. And that's what Paul did. I mean, he was, he was talking and reasoning. He was available for people. He, he didn't get discouraged. He didn't give up. We're at the end of we're at the end of the book of Acts. We only got this is the last verse. I mean, you could have read it. Paul could have sat back and go, Phew. "Man, I am tired. It's the end of the day. Let's go on vacation." I mean, he had been working his entire life on ministry, and even to the very last day, we find him focused doing what God had called him to do. He was faithful with his gifts. He made himself available to others, and he never lost his focus on Christ. I figure, man, if we can do those three things, those are three principles that will help us to be able to live with purpose in our own lives. We had so much fun on our trip to Alaska, but you know what? The work is still unfinished. You know, God's done some great work here at Springbrook, but the work is still unfinished. I know people are, are excited about what God's doing in their own life, but the work is yet unfinished. You know, we are a work in progress. The Bible calls that sanctification. It's growing more and more to be like Christ. We're justified by faith once. We make a faith commitment. We have the assurance of salvation. I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. It's a one-time event, but now we have to live this thing out. We have to work out our faith with fear and trembling and encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. That's why the body of Christ is so important. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. It's encouraging to see you out there this morning. We're encouraged when we come together. We're encouraged when we share stories about what God's doing in our lives. That's how we build one another up. Until Christ returns, that's what we're going to be doing. So I just want to thank you again for your prayer for us as we went to Alaska. I'm looking forward to what God's going to continue to do in and through us individually and as a church. I'm really excited about what God's doing at Springbrook. And I just want to pray for each of you this morning that that, uh, God would use this time this morning to stir something in your heart, that you would recognize where you have growth opportunities. If we can help you take the next step on your spiritual journey, we'd love to do that. We have a starting point class coming up. We have a spiritual gifts class. Everything that we do on our pathway here at Springbrook is designed to help people move forward on their, on their spiritual journey. And so please just let us know how we can do that. Our ushers are going to come forward in just a moment, and we're going to collect our tithes and offerings, and we'll get those welcome slips from you as well. But you know, on your welcome slip, you know, uh, there's some places on the back for that. If you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, you know, I want to encourage you um, just to indicate your interest in doing that. I'd love the opportunity to talk to you about why we do what we do. It's all rooted in who we are in Christ. And so if you have questions about how to have a relationship with Jesus, um, I would love the opportunity to, to follow up with you. Or a member of our staff or one of our ministry teams would love to talk with you about that. If you want, if you want to make a faith commitment today, if you, want to, if you want to enter into that relationship today, uh, you can come up right after the service. I'll stick around out here to answer some questions. I'm going to rest anyway. So I'd love to talk with you more about 
how to have a relationship with Christ. If you haven't been baptized yet, we have our next baptism service coming up. We have our small groups going to be opening up in a couple of weeks. And so if there's any way that we can help you um, take your next step on your spiritual journey, just let us know. We'd love to do that. If you have any questions about anything that happened today, or if you have any questions uh, for me, our staff, or any of our ministries, there's a little place down at the bottom uh, for prayer requests. Uh, you can just write those out. We'll be collecting those in just a minute. If you didn't have a chance to fill it out before they come around, there's a black box out in the lobby. You can drop it in there. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for, uh, for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you for the work that you're doing um, in my life, in the life of the individuals here at Springbrook that call Springbrook Church their home. God, I just thank you for the great work you're doing. And I thank you for the opportunity we had um, to go on this trip. Um, it was just a blessing. I know it took a great uh, number of resources. It took a lot of planning. And God, I uh, just want to thank you for going before us there, for the lessons that we learned. Um, God, I just thank you for this church for the opportunity we have to be uh, witnesses in our Jerusalem. Uh, God, help us each to be effective at sharing with people around us. Uh, God, uh, just thank you for your call in our life. I thank you for this time. I pray for these these three principles seem to be pretty simple, but God, help us to be able to reduce and apply these to our lives. God, we want to live with lives with purpose. You know, our, our community, people around us, there's just so many different distractions. There's so many things that can throw us off guard, but God, help us just to keep our eyes on you. Uh, We look forward to all that you have for us. We lift the remainder of this day up to you. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.